Decred uses a hybrid proof-of-work, proof-of-stake consensus mechanism, mm -hmm. whereas Bitcoin is just pure proof-of-work. And so we still rely on proof-of-work for the underlying security of the network, but we add a proof-of-stake layer on top, which is essentially the people who own Decred, the coin holders, can vote on governance issues using that proof-of-stake layer. So it essentially puts control of the chain in the hands of the Decred stakeholders as opposed to the other interest groups like the miners, the developers, or um, you know, uh, third parties like uh, exchanges and, and institutional uh, custody providers and things like that. I live unbanked off of cryptocurrency, and I use BitRefill extensively because it lets me pay with crypto at places that don't yet accept it directly. This one service more than any other helps me live on crypto, pay your prepaid phone bill, or buy gift cards to thousands of major retailers around the world, all with cryptocurrency, including for exact amounts so you don't have to buy more gift credit than you need for a specific purchase. You can use BitRefill without an account, but if you get an account, you can earn rewards points which translate to savings, and you can also hold a balance denominated in dollars or euros to protect yourself against market crashes. Go to bitrefill.com, click Create Account, and enter the referral code DCN, or follow the link in the description. So, hey everyone, I have the wonderful pleasure of speaking with the one and only Luke Powell of Decred. How's it going, man? Good. Thanks for having me on today. Excited to be here. Yeah, so for those unfamiliar with your work specifically, um, what part of Decred do you develop for? Yeah, so I'm a developer for Politea, which is our off-chain uh, governance system. It's Decred has a network treasury, mm -hmm. and the Decred stakeholders, people who own the Decred, the cryptocurrency, govern how that treasury is spent. And so Politea is our platform for accepting proposals from different development teams or marketing teams, and then the stakeholders discuss those proposals and vote on which ones to fund with that network treasury. Yeah, so for those who are unfamiliar with Decred, um, because you know how people go to like the top you know, five market cap, depending on whatever, or then they go to the top five headlines on Cointelegraph or Coindesk or whatever, and that's like their limit of information. And I have not heard <laughs> Decred mentioned in the same sentence as DeFi lately, so odd, odds are there's a lot of people who probably haven't really heard that much. Uh, do you mind going over really quick the, the history of Decred? Like, why was it created, and what does it do that's different from other projects? Sure. So Decred was launched by the uh, former Bitcoin developers. Mm -hmm. So these developers built BTCD or mm -hmm. BTC Suite, which is the Golang Bitcoin implementation, mm -hmm. right? So uh, Bitcoin is a protocol and you can have it implemented in different programming languages. So Golang mm -hmm. and the BTC Suite implementation is one of the largest implementations besides the, the Bitcoin core, which is implemented in C++. So throughout this process, um, they, you know, were part of the Bitcoin community and they saw a lot of issues with not, not the technical trade-offs Bitcoin was making. Decred agrees with just about all of the big technical architecture decisions that Bitcoin maids, makes, but they disagree with how the project is governed, this mm -hmm. idea of informal governance. And so they launched Decred to address these concerns. And Decred is essentially Bitcoin with the ability to adapt and change over time um, and we do we can get into how exactly we do that but this that's basically the premise behind it yeah 
So is there um, a reason, it might sound like a little bit of a silly question, we know what you're talking about, but is there some sort of a reason why this wasn't implemented directly into Bitcoin or, which is more popular these days, why it wasn't just a direct chain split that just, you know, mirrored Bitcoin? It was, they call it Bitcoin, Bitcoin D or something. Yeah. So I'll address the chain split one real yeah. quick because that, that's simple. I mean, um, these this group of developers built their Bitcoin implementation from the ground up. Mm -hmm. So they were very familiar with that code base um, and the changes required to implement, you know, essentially this governance process, what we call stakeholder voting. Mm -hmm. uh, it it differentiates enough from Bitcoin that it required basically building a cryptocurrency from the ground up. Like it's not like Litecoin or something where it's just a fork and small parameter changes. Mm -hmm. Like it is very it is a very different consensus mechanism. So just to get into that a little bit, Decred uses a hybrid proof of work, proof of stake consensus mechanism, mm -hmm. whereas Bitcoin is just pure proof of work. And so we still rely on proof of work for the underlying security of the network, but we add a proof of stake layer on top, which is essentially the people who own Decred, the coin holders, can vote on governance issues using that proof of stake layer. So it essentially puts control of the chain in the hands of the Decred stakeholders, as opposed to the other interest groups like the miners, the developers, or um, you know, uh, third parties like uh, exchanges and, and institutional uh, custody providers and things like that. Yeah. So uh, basically, what's first off? What's the split in terms of block reward or in terms of you know percentage of it? Is it proof of stake or proof of work? Is it half and half basically, or is it a little, little different? No, it's a little different. Um, and it's 60% proof of work because mm -hmm. the majority of the block awards should go to the proof of work miners. They are the ones still creating that underlying security for the, the project and the network. 30% um, goes to proof of stake, right? That's that essentially two factor authentication. Proof of stake validates mm -hmm. the proof of work. And then you have 10% that gets set off to the side into a network treasury. And that network treasury is what funds the further development of the project. Yeah. So, real quick. This is, of course, the question that I'm sure just about any you know Bitcoin diehard type person would ask: is why was Nakamoto consensus not enough? What's the matter? Because the idea that whenever anyone talks to newbies about Bitcoin, about how it works, is you have a bunch mm -hmm. of miners that then you know anyone can mine, and of course, obviously, people with specialized hardware can mine better. And then if there's a disagreement, well, then someone runs another you know competing implementation and as long as it's a hard fork it would split based on you know whoever does things and the, whatever the chain the miners go to is the dominant chain and that's how you get consensus and i mean that on paper when you say it out loud it sounds like you know it the solution's already solved it sounds like to an uninformed person that maybe there's no reason for decred to even exist because we already have this so why was that not enough so the short answer is that that system that you just outlined gives the miners far too much power, right? The miners are a separate entity that have different incentives than the actual Bitcoin holders, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes their, their incentives may align, but a lot of times they don't. And we saw this play out with the whole Bitcoin, you know, small blocks versus big blocks debate, right? So, you know, miners want to maximize transaction fees. So they are pushing for this on-chain scaling solution. From an engineering perspective, that was a, a major no-no essentially because you can't store all of that data on chain and still keep that same level of decentralization, right? Mm -hmm. So 
the more engineering focused side of the, the argument was, was pushing for these layer two scaling solutions like Lightning Network. So this is where you have a divergence in incentives um, and it ultimately comes down to who gets to control you know, how the protocol changes over time. And what Bitcoin ended up deciding after you know, this multi-year battle um, between Bitcoin and what became Bitcoin Cash is that there is no way for us to make decisions in a decentralized manner. So we're not going to make decisions. We are going to pursue this path of the ossification of the protocol is what mm -hmm. they call it. Basically, Bitcoin is not going to change over time. So you can't, if, if nobody is able to make these decisions, then nobody will be able to basically co-op Bitcoin and push it in a direction that is unhealthy for the network or the Bitcoin holders. Now, the issue with this is that this works in the short term, but Bitcoin is a, a human-made technology. Technology changes over time, yeah. and the protocol is going to have to be able to adapt and evolve over time with technological change. So you're essentially just kicking the can down the road um, and until Bitcoin, you know, the next big Bitcoin kind of internal dispute, it's not going to be with Bitcoin with a $10 billion market cap. It will be Bitcoin with, you know, possibly a trillion dollar market cap where you mm -hmm. now have nation states involved, you know. Um, and just to throw out a real, real easy example, you know, cryptography breaks over time. You know, uh, SHA-256, which Bitcoin uses, will eventually break. And this was even discussed on the Bitcoin forum. Satoshi weighed in and said, you know, when that happens, I think we'll be able to come together as a group and make a decision. But I think that we're in a very different place than now than we were back then. Like, if you really think that, you know, nation states will be able to come together and just you know, come to a decision without, you know, uh, you know, the U.S. government derives a tremendous amount of power from the U.S. dollar being the global reserve currency. We've yeah. gone to war for it before. And it's not unreasonable to think that when you have that nation state level involvement or the involvement of the largest corporations in the world with Bitcoin on their balance sheet, they're all going to be jockeying for power. And then it becomes, you know, what th that's where, again, you have this misalignment of incentives. It's not necessarily what's best for the Bitcoin holders, the people who own the, the, the cryptocurrency. It's, you know, who is it's people, you know, making power plays and trying to take control of the protocol. So Decred essentially tries to sidestep all of that and creates a consensus mechanism that puts the stakeholders in control of the protocol, um, you know, period, essentially. And we can get into like the mechanics of that if, if you want to. Yeah, so right before we do that part, uh, do the miners still have a role in governance or is it just in securing the network? And like, are miners considered a stakeholder in any sort of a way or is it more, now you just, you're the, you know, the janitor, you run the thing, you kick out the blocks, you take transaction fees, you secure the network, you're, you know, you go home at the end of the shift kind of thing. Yeah, they, uh, they do not, they're not considered stakeholders unless they hold their, their decred and stake it like everybody else. Mm. Yeah. So it's purely based on the stake then is yes. that's, that's who makes the decisions. The people who have skin in the game. And when any time you uh, participate in the decred governance process, you have to lock your stake up. Um, and it is, you know, a random period of time of up to four months, but on average up to uh, 28 days, so about a month. Mm -hmm. So if you participate in decred's governance, your decred is going to be locked up and subjected to the volatility of all of those governance decisions. And that was, you know, that was very much uh, the design and done on purpose. 
Yeah, and so just to clarify, the locking up, it's a random time between that, but that's what you have to do in order to uh, basically participate in the 2FA, second layer of security, to actually vote for proposals and to kind of participate in code changes, et cetera, and get extra rewards from that, I'm sure, right? Correct. Yeah, it's we call it uh, purchasing tickets. Uh, mm -hmm. Staking your decred, you purchase a ticket. And the price of the ticket is based on supply and demand. The decred ticket pool targets a size of roughly 41,000 tickets. Mm -hmm. And the more decred competing for those tickets, the higher the cost per ticket is. So right now, the cost of a ticket is around 170 decred. Mm. And so, and that, yeah. So you could potentially stake as low as like one decred, from my understanding, but that would just make it much less frequent that you'd get a ticket. Is that it? So there are ways to do that. It's called ticket splitting. Mm -hmm. um, there are some external tools to do that, but it hasn't been built into the core functionality of the decred desktop wallet. Yeah. So it's technically feasible. It will get implemented at some point. It's just not high enough priority right now that it's been incorporated into kind of the main decred suite of products yeah so what's the minimum amount to stake right now to start a so it just depends yeah so if you want to purchase a full ticket through the decred desktop wallet mm -hmm. it's that ticket that that variable ticket price which is currently mm -hmm. around 170 decred mm. so that's basically what you'd have to do if you want to say like i want I, like I love this stuff. I got some decred. I want to participate in governance and securing the network and all this other stuff. And then you, you put up 170 decred or about that right now. And then that would be state that would be locked in for, you know, maybe a couple months. And then there you go. Is that is that all yeah, correct? an average of an average of 28 days. And the way that works is that um, when a proof of work miner mines a block, that block hash is used as the source of randomness to select five tickets from the ticket pool mm -hmm. and then five every every uh block selects five tickets and they validate whether uh basically the previous block was valid and that also gives them a chance to vote on these governance issues yeah do you remember off the top of your head what 170 decred is worth today um today the price i think is around 18 dollars um mm. so yeah let's just say like 2500 bucks or so Sure. Yeah. So, how many tickets are there floating around at any given time? Like, how many ticket people pool, can? Yeah. Well, the ticket pool targets uh, forty thousand nine hundred and sixty. So mm -hmm. there, there can be more than that in the ticket pool. But if uh, there are, then the price, the price per ticket starts increasing until it reaches that equilibrium of forty thousand nine hundred and sixty tickets. Okay. So that's the that's kind of like the desired uh, participant limit, sort of. Correct. Yeah, interesting. So basically right now it's pretty feasible for anyone to participate. And at some point in the future, if the price goes completely crazy, then is when you'd want to look into some sort of a ticket splitting mechanism where people could pull their resources to all, you know, join into, you know, creating one ticket. Correct. And you know, like I mentioned, that already exists, but it's not formalized. There's basically a channel in our in our uh, decred chat where people will informally say, hey, I've got this much, and then they use this um, this third-party tool that does it for them. So it's already possible, it's just not built into the decred core products. Yeah, and so when people would join together for that, is it some sort of like a multi-sig solution that, you know, or how much trust is necessary between parties when you're doing that? You know? None, it's a trustless solution. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah, so basically, so we get to miners create 
blocks. They they run you know the basis of everything. Now, as far as the anti fifty one percent attack solution, as far as using uh, stakers to actually help secure the protocol, how does that work? Sure. So a proof of work block gets mined just like mm -hmm. you know in a pure proof of work cryptocurrency, and then those five tickets are selected from the ticket pool to vote on the validity of the previous block. So if the miners are trying to do anything malicious, they won't get their block validated by the stakeholders and they won't get the block reward for that block that they mined, essentially. Mm. Mm. So they basically just forfeit the money from it. Correct, it's, it's not valid. Um, and mm -hmm. yeah, so they're spending those computational resources for nothing um, and if you, if you look at the numbers, uh, we've got some formulas for this actually mm -hmm. of a 51% cost uh, mm -hmm. to attack the network. It's on uh, our Block Explorer page, but it's roughly 20x more expensive to 51% attack the hybrid proof of work, proof of stake model that we run mm -hmm. than a pure proof of work cryptocurrency. So that's on a, so two, two cryptocurrencies if, uh, that have the same market cap, let's say Decred and you mm -hmm. know, Cryptocurrency X, it would be 20 times more expensive to attack 51% attack decred than cryptocurrency X. That's pure proof of work, even using like, you know, the same hashing algorithm or anything like that. Yeah. And so if some enterprising attacker decided to do this, um, could they do it purely through just muscling through pure proof of work? I mean, obviously, again, you're already saying it's 20 times as expensive, so it's obviously not super feasible. But if they were to do that, would they only need hash power? Or would they need to start to buy decred and you know, infiltrate the ticket system as well. Sure. So, I mean, it, it moves along a curve. The mm -hmm. more hash power you have, the less stake you need. The more stake you have, the less hash power you need. Mm -hmm. um, and the best way to look at this is go to dcrdata.org, which is our block explorer. Mm -hmm. And then in the drop down menu, you'll see a, uh, a cost to attack calculator section and go there and it, it um, it has all the inputs that you can play with and it, it shows the exact formulas that are used to graph that curve and how exactly everything is calculated. But that's if you're interested, that's the best mm -hmm. way to check it out. Yeah, it sounds pretty interesting. Now, uh, as far as uh, treasuries concerned, so the treasury is a 10% treasury, is that, is that correct? Right, correct. And then how does the treasury system actually work? Sure. So. This is actually, we have a big release coming out mm -hmm. here in the next couple of weeks. It's our 1.6 release. And this is gonna be probably the largest release for Decred to date. And it does something very, very cool that, that we'll get into. But right now, as of today, the mm -hmm. treasury is essentially a multi-sig wallet that's controlled by the founding team. Mm -hmm. Now with this 1.6 release, what we do is we decentralize control of the treasury. So part of the Decred governance system is incorporating hard fork changes that are approved by the stakeholders. Okay. Mm. So, you know, in Bitcoin, Bitcoin has said we are not going to hard fork, right? Because yeah. they they can't come to this decision of how to hard fork. In mm -hmm. in Decred, we can hard fork. And the way it works is the code for the old chain and the new chain are all packaged together, distributed in a release. Um, everybody upgrades. And then once uh, a certain thresholds of people upgrading have been met, a, a hard fork vote starts. Mm. And that is the Decred stakeholders actually casting a vote when their ticket gets selected on whether or not this new chain is valid. And so if the Decred stakeholders pa uh, approve the hard fork vote with a 75% approval, mm. 
then the chain will automatically switch from the old chain to the new chain because it already has all that code packaged up in the release. Mm. And so what this decentralized treasury spending hard fork vote that is going to be included in our 1.6 releases is it, um, it is the founding team giving up control of the treasury. So the way it will work if the hard fork vote is approved is that all of the funds leaving the tre network treasury, the monthly contractor payouts, will have to be explicitly approved in a vote by the stakeholders, right? Mm -hmm. So we wanted to, we still wanted, we wanted to decentralize control of the treasury, but this is all so new that we didn't want to give stakeholders the ability to drain the treasury if something were to go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. If there was a bug or something like that. So the way it will work is the original team will, will have a, a key that's hard-coded in the code base mm -hmm. that only they can publish treasury transactions, but once published, that transaction is only valid if the stakeholders approve it. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's And then... So it's kind yeah. of like an... A, it's sort of like the stakeholders are part of a two of two multi-sig that the exactly the, basically the, the team has one key and then the rest have like a multi-sig other key it's like multi-sigception so to speak yes yeah. yes um and eventually the end goal is to completely you know hand the treasury fully over to the stakeholders but this in the is kind of like a baby step to get there to still have guardrails in place but to still have give the stakeholders full control over exactly what leaves the treasury yeah. So, how are spending decisions arrived at? So, is it? I'm. I'm assuming it's like a proposal system, right? Where someone says, "I want to do, I want to fund the core team," or then some other person might say, "I want to go do some marketing things." So, how, what's the process for presenting kind of a, a an ask for money? Yep. That that's. It's very similar to that. So we, this is where Politea, our proposal system, comes into play. If you know, let's say I have a development team and I want to do some work for Decred, I will mm -hmm. write up a proposal. You know, with basically milestones and milestone payments. I'll outline my team, total funding, um, and then it will go up on Politea, where the Decred community can discuss it, and then it will go uh, for a vote. Now, these votes are done off-chain. So we, we really want, we're very careful about what exactly goes on chain. We want to prevent blockchain bloat. Of course. So we only put data on chain that absolutely needs to be. So hard fork votes, those are all done on chain, right? Mm -hmm. Because that process, it requires that it, it be done on chain. But all, every, all of our other governance process, processes are done off chain, and then we timestamp them onto the Decred blockchain. Um, so if, you're, if your viewers aren't familiar, timestamping mm -hmm. is essentially you take data, yeah. You hash it, you hash it down to a Merkle root, and then you include the Merkle root in a decred transaction. Mm -hmm. So it gets included in a block. And from that point forward, you can prove cryptographically that this data has existed uh, at this point in time when block 1000 was mined. Right. Yeah. So um, it's a way to basically, you know, ensure data integrity over time without actually storing that data on chain. So uh, getting back to how the process works is those proposals will go up for vote. Mm -hmm. um, the Decred stakeholders will vote on which ones to fund. Uh, and then uh, if it gets funded, they'll do their work. And when they complete milestones, those milestone payments will be released using that treasury process that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. And so is there a, so in order to do, to begin work, is there a process to approve it before they've even, you know, is there, so is there a process to approve their idea and then there's a second process to actually prove the payout, or is it just one of the two? 
So right now, we really limit proposals to things that actually are requesting funding. Mm -hmm. um, and that's basically because we want to be very careful about um, the stakeholders time. We don't want to mm -hmm. waste their time with shower thoughts, essentially. Yeah. Now, in the in the future, we are uh, we we plan on releasing and building a uh, essentially a, a Reddit type forum mm -hmm. that is built on the same platform that Politea is using that that time stamping, but that allows for much more informal voting, more polling of the stakeholders, where mm -hmm. the stakeholders, if they want to vote in polls, you know, they can, but they don't have to. Whereas things on Politea. There is a, a expectation that these are serious things uh, requesting funds from the network treasury and um, the, you know the stakeholders that they actually want to participate in the governance. These are the things that they should they should read and actually spend time on. Yeah. So say I decided, hey, I want to go make a bunch of videos about Decred and just explore how it's different. And so my first step would be what to speak to the Decred team and see if there's a demand for this sort of a thing. You could, or you could just do it, right? Mm -hmm. Decred's culture is rooted in open source culture. Like yeah. We like doers, people that just, you know, you don't need to ask permission to do something for the project. It is a decentralized project, right? Mm -hmm. There is nobody saying you can or can't do this. If you uh, want to do something for Decred or you have a cool idea or you just, you know, want to get involved, just do it. Jump in. Uh, put it out there, right? Yes. Uh, and, um, yeah. So and then... Once you build up a reputation with the community, then it's probably time to start asking for funding if you want to go that route. Mm -hmm. But the Decred stakeholders to date have been very skeptical of anybody who has not already built up a reputation with yeah. the community, right? Yeah. And so say I start putzing around, making some stuff, and people say, oh, I like this guy. He's cool. I like the work he does. He's... And then at some point I say, hey, I want to do like a professional video series on this stuff, and I want to get paid for it. Would then the process be to just do it and then request for payment afterwards or do I request payment first and then get paid in advance and then finish out the series or how does that work? It's up to the creator really. We've actually, you could do it either way and we've mm -hmm. had people do it either way. We've had people who have done things, put them out into the community and then basically leverage that being like, hey, here's my work product. I want to do this, uh, you know, something, something and mm -hmm. want this funding and you can create a proposal for that. But we've also had people who have gone and actually just done it and then asked for requested funding afterwards and continued funding for it. Um, so it's really, it's really up to the creator, but the most important thing is just demonstrating you can add value to the project before mm -hmm. asking for money. Yeah. And so now we get to like this, the devil's advocate part of that, where, uh, does the, someone from the core team need to approve, uh, a request for funding. So like, just say, you know, I do all this work and I say, hey, I want to do this new video series. And then the stakeholders seem to really like the idea. But uh, someone from the team says, oh, I see someone else is doing it that I like better. This guy's face is ugly. I don't want to deal with him at all. I'm just going to not do that part of the multi-sig key to release funding. I'm just going to be a roadblock, even though I can't steal, even though this, this person could not steal the money. They could also prevent me from being paid out, even if the the stakeholders like that. Is that at all the poss of a technical possibility at this point in time? Yeah, that's absolutely feasible. And mm -hmm. if that happened, that would be considered malicious behavior. Mm -hmm. And that spending key that's controlled by the, the original team, mm -hmm. that's just a hard-coded value in the code base. So that's mm -hmm. considered a hard fork change. So if the stakeholders wanted to fund something and they were saying, no, we're not going to 
you know, use our key to broadcast that transaction. What you could then go do is essentially create a hard fork change that takes that key away from them, assigns it to somebody else, and puts it up for a hard fork vote. And then mm. if the stakeholders approve that, there's nothing the original team could do. Mm. Yeah, so basically the the way to change that would be via hard fork, and then right. it'll get approved by stakeholders, and then that's how you get rid of it. So Right, Decred's whole model is based on that stakeholder approved hard fork voting process. Yeah, so essentially, um, one thing that I've seen has been touted a whole lot in um, the whole uh, Bitcoin cash split that happened just recently is supposedly you know, it's the first time a major development team has been fired by the protocol itself. And there's obviously very many layers of nuance to that, that statement. Uh, and also, I don't think that that's necessarily something to celebrate. The ability to do that is something to celebrate. Having to do that might not be something to celebrate. But so that's always the, it's the nuclear option question. And obviously in order to understand how the system works, sometimes you have to go to some uh, slightly silly levels of being hypoth of hypothetical situations here. But let's just say, what happens if the, the Decred development team says, you know what, we're going to, um, we got paid way too much money by the government of North Korea and we want to make sure to censor all kinds of transactions we don't like. We want to put communist propaganda into every block. We want to do all kinds of nonsense, right? And then the stakeholders are very upset, and then they want to get rid of the development team, as understandable, but they should be. Uh, what is the process for actually getting rid of the developers and going to finding a new team? And how much wreckage could the development team cause on the way out? Yes, okay, so... First, let's define like what the development team is. So mm -hmm. the original Decred team that launched the, the original Decred pro, uh, protocol, they are called Company Zero. Mm -hmm. And there's about you know eight or 10 of them. Right now, the number of non-Company Zero developers far outnumbers the number of Company Zero developers. Um, we have developers, uh, a big base in South America and Brazil. We've got developers in Africa, Australia, Europe. We really have developers all over the world because we have this model where everybody that works for Decred gets paid 100% in Decred, mm -hmm. right? And so it um, it, it allows people, uh, it just allows for a very global development base. So let's mm -hmm. say that Company Zero wanted to accept funds from North Korea, right? Mm -hmm. uh, well, it depends on what exactly they were being asked to do. If they were asked to make malicious changes, any yeah. hard fork changes have to still be approved. Uh, with that 75% voting threshold by the Decred stakeholders in order for those changes to go active, right? Um, if they wanted to block payments like we talked about, the stakeholders could take away that key from them and assign it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, if the stakeholders wanted to stop funding them, right, all treasury spending and all proposals have to be voted on by the stakeholders. And it mm -hmm. all comes down to the stakeholders control the hard fork vote process. And at the end of the day, that hard fork vote process can be used to take power away from anybody, even the original team. Yeah, and so we're going through this silly sort of uh, situation, and so they start, you know, trying to spend all their money on terrible things. They start putting, you know, terrible things on the website, proposing all kinds of awful code changes. So first off, the stakeholders block any bad hard fork that they don't like. They just say these are bad changes. We're not going to do it. We're not going to authorize that. Second. Correct they block all payments to the development team. 
and you know because they need their authorization is needed to release the funds and then Correct. they look into doing a hard fork to revoke that second key and put it to give it to a new team so then it all works out and so Correct. how now what happens to let's just say the you know decred.org and website and stuff like that that people say nope it's our we're going to keep our registration domain we're going to put all you know pictures of the the Kim family all over and their girl, glorious stuff. And that's all of the websites going to be. People go to decred.org. They just see, you know, communist parades and stuff like that. It would be very similar to what Bitcoin.com or Bitcoin.org, whichever yeah. one is owned by Bitcoin Cash right now, right? The, the protocol cannot own real world assets, right? Mm -hmm. Protocol can only own decred and delegate how that decred is distributed. But any real world, physical world assets like domains or anything like that, those are owned by individuals and they can yeah. do whatever they want with them, right? If Decred, if some, if the owners of Decred.org, which is company zero, wanted to just, you know, throw up communist propaganda, they could do that. There's nobody stopping them. Mm -hmm. Would it hurt the project? Sure, in the short term. But if it's a decentralized project, if it can't survive that, you know, it, then it's not really decentralized, is it? Yeah. And so I guess the next, sort of like what happened with Monero.org where Monero.org mm -hmm. is owned by someone who is not considered part of the core team right now. And GetMonero.org is the real site today. Just because right, they had correct. to move on to a different thing. Yeah, so that's um, you know, that's pretty fascinating. And that's all, always one thing of when we ask who, you know, who makes the rules, how, does thing, how do things work? It's always good to go to the nuclear option kind of thing and then like work backwards from there. So now Absolutely. let's talk about uh, incentives. Because I think, as you discussed, the uh, the problem with Nakamoto consensus is the alignment of incentives was slightly off, where you know miners had the incentive to do good things for the network, but some kinds of good things, not everything good. And so, for example, they don't care if it becomes you know less decentralized, for example, as long as they get a lot of on-chain mining revenue, and so what I've found out, or you know, my per you know, my personal opinion is free market systems tend to work the best, as in, you know, basically decentralized systems tend to work the best. And one great thing that makes, you know, the business world work is the alignment of incentives where the person who makes the decisions is also the person who stands to gain from making good good decisions and the person who has the most to lose if the decisions go sour. And so- It's the person who is exposed to that risk, exactly. Yes. And so when we're talking about uh, stakeholders, obviously on a, like a, a slightly more removed sense, um, you could stand to, basically if you drive the network into the ground, <laughs> you have that much risk because you, all, you have a bunch of decred, right? And if you do great things for the network, then of course you, you benefit because you're a big bag holder and the bags go up. It's just, it, that seems pretty well um, aligned. Now, is there any kind of a thought of alignment on a more granular level? Like say, for example, there's competing marketing proposals going up or there's competing ideas on how to do something like that. And is there a way for uh, the effectiveness of things like that to be measured in a more short term kind of a way? 
Yeah, I know it might be a little bit of a confusing question, but like, for example, let's just talk, given the example of a voter versus a business owner, you could say a voter has the most to lose because if they vote, you know, in the political system, because of the country goes bad, they have to live in the country. But as far as a business owner, if they make a bad business decision, they feel the pain from that very immediately because they lose revenue right, right. away. So is there been given us any thought of the more immediacy of that? Like, for example, say on a specific proposal. I mean, one thing you got to be careful of is adding unnecessary complexity, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the, the concept of behind Decred is skin in the game. You know, it's a very yeah. simple concept. Um, and then we rely on basically market dynamics to work the rest out. Um, and I think adding in too much fine grain control can it will adds an unnecessary complexity, right? It creates mm -hmm. you know tax services for the project. Um, it makes the project harder to maintain. And there's a good argument: is it is it necessary, right? Mark, if you allow market forces to work things out and just make sure that the decision making authority is allocated to the people with skin in the game, mm -hmm. and make sure that you know they can't somebody can't just come in, buy tickets, and then uh, throw a vote and then immediately leave. Like the ticket holders are subjected to the volatility from any vote because mm -hmm. their funds are locked up. I mean, those are t the two real big mechanisms in place. And I think, you know, allowing any finer grain control of that is just really getting into the land of like too much complexity. It's just not necessary for it. There's not enough benefit for the additional complexity that you'd be adding. Yeah. So. I don't know if we quite covered this about the treasury, but so the treasury goes into a location every single month. Is that right? So if yes. like, let's say you don't spend it the month prior, it's then you have two months worth the next month. Is that right? Yes. And the decred treasury currently sits at around 650,000 decred. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so basically the incentive to be a responsible steward of those funds and not just spend them all the time on whatever is that you'll, you, you can save them for a rainy day, or you could save them for the next for something else that could come out that's a way better deal than maybe this thing that comes around now. Like, let's just say someone like me says, I want to make a bunch of marketing videos and I want to spend a lot of money and stuff. And then someone might say, you know what, let's not do that. Let's hold off on that because I bet we can find a way more professional, competent person who will do it for a better deal. And then they just hold off. And that and that's kind of the incentive to be a good steward of the funds. Is that kind of how it's understood? Um, I think so. I'm, I'm not quite sure I, I get exactly mm -hmm. what, what you're getting at here. But I mean, it really just comes down to the more decred mm -hmm. you have, the more incentive you have to make sure things are running smoothly. Um, and if any particular proposal is going to add more value than it's, than it's taking, mm -hmm. then theoretically the decred stakeholders should want to fund that because it's a net positive for the project. It's adding value to the project. Um, now, we have been very careful about conserving treasury funds. Mm -hmm. The original team let the treasury build up for the entire first year. Um, you know, they pre-launched, they paid for everything out of pocket. Um, there was a pre-mine at launch, and then they let the network treasury build up for that first year, specifically because, you know, during these early years of the project, which we're still really in, yeah. um, there's so much potential for price appreciation that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to spend the network treasury on anything but kind of core development processes. Um, and there have been some marketing spending, there have been you know, uh, spending in, in various areas, but 
it tends to be, we've done experiments with professional firms and they haven't worked. All of the things that have been successful have been grassroots efforts, mm -hmm. community members coming up and saying, oh, okay, I want to create this onboarding website. Um, you know, here's what I've done before. Here's what I want to do. Those are the types of those grassroots organic activity from the community members are really the ones that uh, tend to get traction. Um, and they tend to be very uh, low cost compared to any type of professional firm. Yeah, of course. Now we're talking about bureaucracy. And yeah. here's the, when we're talking about a, a system, like say you, you create a decentralized currency for the whole world to use, and you want it to mo mainly spend its time doing that, and the the technical you know back end of you know governing that system is probably you know I guess it's a secondary concern to make just sure it moves forward. Now um, there's I guess there's two angles of bureaucracy, where or what I could call bureaucracy. One is you spend all your time in the governance system, just you know hanging around, arguing, making decisions, making new amendments, all that kind of stuff, and not enough of actually like, using the stuff. On the other hand, there's the the uh, Again, to use a very topical example, the Bitcoin Cash governance system, which is fight on Reddit all day and fork a bunch instead of actually working on, you know, getting this stuff out to the world. Not that that's not a concern, not that there aren't people still doing that, but anytime you have a lot of fighting either through a, a formalized decision making system or just through, you know, all out online gang war on the other side, that sucks a lot of energy and enthusiasm out of the project to just, you know, go, you know, fight over small decisions. So do you have any worry of a bureaucracy risk in Decred and why or why not? So this is where Politea, this is one of the biggest value adds is that you can end any argument because arguments will pop up. Mm -hmm. um, you can end any argument by saying, okay, make a proposal and let the stakeholders vote on it. Right? Mm -hmm. So the Bitcoin, Bitcoin cash, drama that that lasted for three years in the Bitcoin ecosystem. It was incredibly draining, incredibly mm -hmm. distracting. The way that would play out in Decred is that somebody would make a proposal. People would probably fight about it for a couple weeks and then it would go up for vote and that vote would be final. Like there's no point in arguing after that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, using Politea as the ultimate arbitrator of any dispute is incredibly valuable because like you said, those types of distract, those disputes are just distractions. They're, they're draining. Nobody wants to, they become political is what I found. The first couple weeks is when you get all the good technical points out, mm -hmm. you know, both sides of the debate. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it just becomes political. It's how can I get the most people on my side? Um, and it's just, it's unnecessary. So uh, that's allowing stakeholders to vote and be the final decision makers is, is a very valuable mechanism. Yeah. So now we get to what we're talking about, um, all this for what? And all this so to enable a smooth running, well-oiled, progressive, uh, decentralized digital money for the whole world to use. Now, how's that part of things going? Because as far as attention that comes towards Decred, a lot of it happens to go to fall on the governance system and its way of arriving on decisions. But as in, how have those actual decisions shaken out? As in, how how how's the end product and how is it working? How well is it working in terms of getting used around the world? Sure. So Decred, we're still in the early stages, right? So mm -hmm. any investment in Decred is more of a speculative investment as opposed to actually using Decred for 
for maybe payments, or you're basically speculating that it will be a good hedge against inflation. It will be a good store of value. Okay, but Decred is probably one of, with this 1.6 release, it's going to be one of the most well-rounded cryptocurrencies out there and, and potentials for stores of value. And what I mean by that is this 1.6 release will decentralize control of the treasury. So we will be a DAO built in at mm -hmm. the protocol layer, right? We have um, a big privacy uh, release as part of 1.6 where Decred implemented uh, coin shuffle plus plus. Mm -hmm. It's a type of coin join if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Um, if you're not familiar or is, uh, yeah, so coin join, it's a, it's a popular kind of uh, privacy mechanism in Bitcoin and it's essentially just where you take a bunch of inputs from various people, you put them all in a hat, you mix them up, and then they come out the other side and you can't tell who put what in, essentially. Mm -hmm. Now, the interesting part about Decred's implementation of this is that the, the big challenge of any coin join implementation is getting people to participate, or really any optional privacy implementation is getting people to participate and to get a large enough anonymity set that it actually provides sufficient privacy, right? So in Bitcoin, you have, uh, last time I looked, it was between 500 to 1,000 Bitcoins being mixed through a Samurai wallet uh, per day, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a fairly small number, whereas with Decred, we we're currently mixing uh, roughly 100,000 Decred per day. And the reason is because we built it, we've integrated it with our proof of stake process, right? Mm -hmm. So now when you stake Decred and you purchase your ticket, you have the ability to automatically uh, include it in a, a, a coin join mm -hmm. and to add that privacy onto um, your transaction history, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's an order of magnitude larger anonymity set than uh, Bitcoin. And, and just uh, it adds the, the fungibility that Bitcoin is essentially missing, right? So that's part of this 1.6 release where it's being built into our desktop wallet mm -hmm. and anybody will be able to mix their decode, whereas right now it's just on the command line um, and it takes more advanced users. So another aspect is a lightning network. So mm -hmm. we are scaling via layer two, very similar to Bitcoin, and our lightning network integration for the first time is being released in our desktop wallet with 1.6 as well. Um, so if you look at, you know, the Decred has traditionally been, you know, hasn't gotten a lot of hype because we, we keep our heads down and we focused on building, but, uh, and, and the governance is kind of a hard concept for your average person to understand, mm -hmm. but when it will really start going mainstream, when they don't have to understand Decred's governance process, but they start seeing the results of Decred's governance process. Yeah. Oh. I have a way better UX, uh, user experience because governance allowed us to incorporate these hard fork changes. Um, governance allowed us to uh, fund the development where all of our all of the Decred products are these nice integrated tight packages, as opposed to having a Lightning wallet with one seed, having a Bitcoin wallet with another seed. Mm -hmm. You know, like with Decred, it's all a integrated experience that at the end of the day will lead to a better user experience, will lead to uh, more uh, adoption, um, but we're still in essentially the early stages of laying the infrastructure and groundwork to really make that happen for your average everyday person. Yeah, well, keep your head down and build, right? Yeah.
Yeah, well, this has been a very enlightening chat. Where can people find more about you? I'm sure decred.org is a great place to go for decred in general, but what about your personal stuff? Do you have a Twitter or something? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, LukeBP underscore and check out decred.com. Come hang out in our uh, Matrix channel. That's our, our chat platform. And yeah, mm -hmm. thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and donate to support the show by going to my Cointree page. That's cointr.ee slash the desert links and leave a message with your donation. Check out the show's sponsors. Live on crypto with BitRefill. Buy absolutely anything with crypto with Shop and Bit. Avoid content censorship with Odyssey. Protect your privacy online with NordVPN. Get paid to search with PreSearch. All links are in the show notes.